Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016, I helped him launch his very first membership. He had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership. In his first launch, he got 130 members, bringing him in about 60,000 in income every year. Now, He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast episode 28. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast, uncovering the secrets of effortless social media marketing for your business. And here is your host, Teresa Heath-Waring. Hello and a really warm welcome to episode 28 of the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast. And I am your host, Teresa Heath-Waring. I am so excited for today. I can't tell you. I've been waiting quite some time to finally get round to interviewing people, which was intentional because I wanted to work on the podcast on my own and know that I knew what I was doing and that I'd got all the systems in place and everything was working well before I went out to the world to ask people to come onto the podcast. And today is my first interview and it's so good. I mean, so good. I'm not saying that I'm a really good interviewer, by the way. This isn't some uber confidence thing. But the person who I've interviewed is such a good guest on a podcast that I am over the moon. The guy that I have interviewed for today's first ever interview podcast is normally at the top of people's interview lists. So this guy, you don't normally start with him. He's normally what you work up to. So today's episode, I am interviewing the amazing Pat Flynn. I feel like there should be some kind of like, woo, applause, clap, clap, clap. (laughs) I should get some sound effects in for future ones. (laughs) So I first met Pat back in Converted 16, which is a conference in Minneapolis. And I have to say at that point, I didn't know a lot about Pat. I vaguely knew that he was this guy that helped people with online businesses, but I hadn't seen him talk before. And I went along to this conference in Minneapolis and Pat was a keynote speaker. And he is so good at speaking. He makes you an instant fan. And 
immediately fall in love with his style and how he does things and makes you want to follow him and consume as much of his content as you possibly can. Pat is a father, husband and entrepreneur who lives and works in very beautiful San Diego. For some reason, lots of people in my industry all live in San Diego, which is crazy, but that's just the way it is. So let me share a little bit about Pat with you. He is a keynote speaker and speaks all over the world, including doing the closing keynote of Social Media Marketing World 2018, which I can only imagine that for people in my industry, that has got to be top of the bucket list type thing. He is the owner of two podcasts. In fact, he's had more than two, but two main podcasts, Smart Passive Income and Ask Pat. I'm going to link up to all these things in the show notes, which now have over 50 million downloads. As a fledgling podcaster, I can only imagine the day when I can say I've had a million downloads, let alone 50 million downloads. He is a Wall Street Journal best-selling author and has two books, Will It Fly and Let It Go. Will It Fly is a book I've read. It's really good if you have an idea and you want to see if it's going to succeed when you put it out into the marketplace. And his current focus is now on YouTube, although he still does the other podcasts as well, where he currently has over 130,000 subscribers. And to top it off, He is one of the nicest men you will ever meet. In our industry, he really is probably seen the nicest person of social media. He is a devoted husband and father and often shares personal posts on his social media with him and his two delightful children. And this year at Podcast Movement Conference, he even invited his son to come on stage with him and speak That's right. I mean, I couldn't imagine bringing my daughter on stage with me and hoping she says the right things. But his son came on stage and spoke with him because they now have a podcast together. Now, all these things could be the reason why Pat has one of the loyalist followings ever. He has notes all the time from people who say thank you to him for sharing some of his knowledge and for helping them with their business. People love Pat Flynn. And in this podcast, he shares with us how he got to be the successful entrepreneur that he is and what has made the biggest difference to him and his business. And then on top of all that, he gives his top tips on how you can kill it on YouTube, which I have to say I sat there with complete fascination because YouTube is something that I am thinking about working on. So I was kind of taking in every single word he said. Anyway, I feel like I have wound you up enough. So without further ado, I would love to welcome you to the amazing Pat Flynn. Hey, Pat. Hi, how are you? I am really good. Thank you. And you? Great. Congratulations on your new show. And, you know, I'm happy and honored to be episode number one. Um, And fun fact, I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but for another very famous podcast called Entrepreneurs on Fire, I was also... John Lee Dumas's first episode. So that's amazing. You know, this is this is the start of a good thing. 
Yeah, well, if I can follow in his footsteps, then absolutely. So as I've said before, I've never interviewed anybody before. You're my first. And I said in the intro that we sat down in San Diego a few months back, back in June. And I talked to you about how I wanted to get people on the podcast and that I wanted to interview. And you very kindly said that you would be happy to be a guest and how fitting it was that you would be my first guest. Yeah, so, well, I'm happy to be here. I am so over the moon. And for my listeners out there that are listening, if you don't know Pat, I am about to introduce you into someone who is phenomenal. And I'm telling you now, you need to follow him. I know I've mentioned you so many times before, and I've talked about you all the time. So I know that they would have perhaps heard a bit about you, but they probably don't know your story. And your story is fascinating because you have this great saying that getting laid off was the best thing that ever happened to you. And really, that was kind of the start of your journey. So I would love it if you could just spend a minute or two kind of taking us through how you kind of got from there to here. That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, getting laid off was great, but I didn't know it at the time. At the time, it was actually, it felt like the worst thing to ever happen. This was back in June of 2008, I was told I was going to be let go from my dream job. And I, I had my dream job for a number of years as an architect or aspiring architect. I was quickly climbing the corporate ladder yeah. only to be thrown out with uh, a lot of other people who were losing their job too around the same time. It was a tough, 2008 was a tough year for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And to make this even worse, I had just recently proposed to my girlfriend. We were planning a wedding and she's Filipina. I'm half Filipino. And so you know, if you know any Filipinos, you know that like you need to invite the entire Filipino nation okay. to uh, to your wedding. And so we're like, what are we going to do? So uh, my fiance moved back with her parents to save money. I moved back with my parents to save money. And I was just trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do next? And luckily, I discovered this thing called podcast because I had some extra time and I listened to an, uh, a podcast called Internet Business Mastery. And there was one particular episode and I don't know like divine inter intervention, right? Like things just kind of happen for a reason sometimes. I had randomly stumbled upon this po podcast and within this podcast archive, I randomly stumbled upon, it wasn't even their latest episode, it was from a while back, but it was an interview with a guy named Cornelius who was making six figures a year by helping people pass the project management exam or the PM exam. Mm -hmm. And that's my first big light bulb moment in my online business career because I had taken a number of exams to lead up to where I was uh, and where I was going as an architect and I was like, maybe there's some way that I can take this information that I know about one of these exams I took and I chose one in particular that was extremely difficult that I had recently passed. It was called the LEED exam, L-E-E-D, mm -hmm. which is a, a worldwide sort of standardization of green buildings and, 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 and environmentally friendly architecture and that sort of thing. Very niched exam, but it was on my mind. So I was like, okay, how can I take this information I know? So I had created a website and uh, actually, I actually had some information already up uh, that was mainly created just to help my coworkers and, and me pass this exam. So to kind of rewind a little bit, in 2007, I had uh, studied for this exam, which was very difficult. And to help me and a couple coworkers study, I created a blog to essentially just keep track of our notes so we could always go back to it. It was always like a good repository for that information. And then after we passed the exam, we literally just let it sit there because there was no, no more reason to, to go back to it. Yeah. So when I went back to it, uh, several months later, and I put a tool on the website to check the traffic, which is, which was like, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I signed on the next day and I noticed that thousands of people were already visiting this website from like 30 different countries around the world. And it kind of scared me. I was like, I have no idea how this is happening, where these people are coming from. 
But I basically found out that they were coming from two places. Number one, Google. Google loved what I was posting on or what what we had posted on that website. And so they started to rank me really high for a lot of those uh, keywords. But I was also being found in a lot of forums because people who found me through Google were like, oh my gosh, this resource Mm -hmm. is exactly what I needed. You guys have to check this out. And I was getting kind of, I, 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 I was, you know, people didn't even know who was behind the website, but I was famous in this little niche of this exam. And so when I discovered that, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta show that I'm a real person on the other end. So I opened up the comments. I put my face on the blog. I, I started saying, hey, my name is Pat. I took this exam too. I'm here to help you. And that's when I started to become seen as like an expert in this space. And that's people started to call me, oh, go, go to Pat's website uh, because he's, he's an expert on this exam. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> it, it kind of made me laugh at first because I was like, I'm not an expert. I mean, I've taken this exam and I barely passed it. But I started becoming known as one because I was the one who was posting yeah. information and really just helping people for free uh, until October when I published a study guide, um, taking a lot of the same information that I had published for free and packaging it into a $19.95 ebook. And in that month when I launched that ebook, I had made $7,908.55 oh my God. from launching that. And it kind of just, I mean, my first reaction was, what is happening? This is crazy. This can't be true. I must be doing something illegal. Like this can't, this can't work. This is, I don't even know if this is right. Like, what should I, like, I thought that at any moment, like the FBI was going to come knock on my door because honestly, it's just was so new to me. But the coolest part about this was not the money that was coming in, the fact that I was able to kind of save myself from this layoff, but the fact that I was also getting these amazing thank you letters, uh, both emails and handwritten letters from people who had passed the exam that I was helping them study for. And a few of those people were like, Pat, I'm a huge fan now. I'm a fan of what you do. I'm going to share you with the world. I'm going to, like I told my entire office about you and we all bought your program. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And that's when I started smartpassiveincome.com, which is where most people know me from now, where I just decided to share every little bit of the story and everything that I had done and things that I am doing, things that I'm doing right, things that I'm doing wrong, how much money I was making, where it was all coming from, different strategies I was using. Yeah. Because when I was trying to learn all this stuff, nobody was sharing anything. Everybody was like, okay, I would love to teach you internet business stuff, but you have to pay thousands of dollars to get access to it. And I was like, that's not right. Like, I'm just going to share everything and see what happens because that's what I did in the first go around. And now I'm known as, you know, a top leader in this space and uh, an amazing podcast with, we just passed 55 million downloads, which is kind of insane. I'm speaking around the world, a Wall Street Journal bestselling book. Um, And the beauty of this is not just the fact that, you know, there's, there's this, you know, incredible support that I have from an amazing fan base and audience. But the fact that I can also uh, structure my time in my life in a way that allows me to spend more time with my kids. My wife and I, we walk to uh, school with our kids every day. We bring them back from school together every day. We're like the only set of parents who do that. We can go to Target, which is a place here in the US that you could buy things at like at two in the afternoon when nobody else is there. So like little little things like that mean so much because now it's like I'm in control um, as opposed to like when I was working in architecture, it's like I was always under somebody else's direction. I was always under, you know, even the layoff, like that was out of my control. Now my business is fully under my control and I can decide when I want to do things, how I want to do things and even decide like how big I want to go and how much more money I want to make. It's, it's, it's just so incredible. I'm just so thankful and, and blessed and this is why I love coming on shows like this and even being episode number one 
uh, and, and, and just wanting to help as many people as I can. And I think, A, that shows in everything I've ever seen, you, um, it comes from a deep desire of wanting to help people, which is such a great, lovely way of doing business because it's not like you said, hey, I'll tell you all my secrets, but you've got to pay all this money. And mm-hmm. sometimes that can feel a bit of a con that, you know, they're kind of, uh, the reason they made money is because they're selling this to so many people. Whereas yours isn't like that at all. You're very much, this is what I've done. There's a couple of things that I want to just pick up on. One, I love the fact of your work-life ethic because I think so many people come into their own businesses, especially if they've been in the corporate world. I was from a corporate world myself. And you come into this business thinking, great, now I get to control my time. And I think very few people do. I think you'll find yourself working harder and longer and thinking, oh "Oh my gosh, I'm working all these hours for what? Probably less than I was earning in corporate world. So the fact that you kind of went, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm going to run my business, but have, have, make sure I have that time for my children and my wife and I'm present for them. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I love, and I was looking at again today, is the fact that you publish your income records, which one, I think is such a brave move, because that is the most transparent thing I've ever seen. But the other thing I loved about it was I could look at your income records starting from as way back as you started to post them. And you can start to see your journey. And for someone like me, where I feel I'm at the the sort of tip of my journey where I'm really going to start. It's mm. so good to see how your income increased all, you know, month on month on month. And, and, you know, I was wondering as I was looking through what must it felt like that first month you did a hundred thousand or, you know, oh, gosh. <laughs> I bet it was so exciting. It was, it was mind blowing and kind of unreal. It, it seems because, you know, I, you know, you hear about these people who do these big launches or make that much money. And it's just like, that's, that can't be me. And to actually work hard and put in the effort to get to that point, which didn't happen right away. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I tell this story about even how I earned my first, you know, $8,000 in that, in that month of October, 2008. I mean, there, there was so much work that went into that. I mean, I don't want to lie and say that, yeah, this is easy. I'm on a laptop on the beach, sipping pina coladas. (laughs) It's nothing like that. Like I work my butt off and I still continue to do it, but I am now in control of when I want to work my butt off and when I want to relax, you know, work hard, play hard on my own time, not somebody else's time. And now it's, I mean, I think the best part about this is I'm building my own dream and I'm, I'm I'm building my own legacy versus working hard and and waking up every day to build somebody else's dream, right? Like I'm working on my own stuff now. And then, you know, in terms of uh, work-life balance, like the kids to me are the most important thing because I mean, that's, you know, the next generation. And so, Mm Uh, I, I want to make sure that I'm an example for them. And, you know, I want to show them that like you can do what you want to do, but still you got to work hard for it. Yeah. And, and that's what I teach my business too. And I love that you mentioned, you know, the fact that I, I serve first and that's what I teach. That's how, that's what I practice. Um, the way to make money is to solve people's problems. That's what any yeah. successful business does. Um, that's what we're doing right now on this podcast. And yeah. When you serve first and you help people, they're going to want to com- continue to come back for you for additional help. And sometimes that additional help is just, you know, free content on your website that you have yeah. distributed out there. But other, other people need to go deeper with you and are willing and happy to pay you for that, whether that's a, a, an upcoming client or access to an online course or yeah. a physical product that you might have or, or something. Um, but it really just comes down to what are the pains and the problems of your target audience and how are you helping them? Serve yeah. first and you will be rewarded. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great philosophy. So in those early days, was there 
a particular platform or strategy or something that you really felt helped accelerate you? Because obviously, I think now there are so many things that people could be doing, whether it's a podcast, a blog, mm-hmm. YouTube. Was there one thing that you thought, do you know what, that was the game changer when I started that things started happening? Well, it's funny because that is what I tell myself every time I tried a new platform. Right. So I, I started with the blog and the blog was safe to me. It was like, okay, I could hide behind my blog. I can type out something. And if it's not good, I could rewrite it or, you know, I can edit it or have somebody else look at it. It wasn't live or, or, you know, my face wasn't really shown that much in the beginning. So the blog to me was a big game changer because it allowed me to build my initial small, but you know, somewhat sizable audience and the transparency in the income reports obviously definitely helped and especially in the space that I'm in, which, like I said earlier, was everybody was very secretive of things. I'm just going to yeah, go yeah. opposite. And, and that really helped. And then uh, in 2009, I started YouTube. And that was a big game changer for me because that allowed me to teach in a different way and to teach a little bit more efficiently with, with visuals. Um, it also opened up my, uh, my blog and my, my brand to more people who wouldn't have found me otherwise. Yeah. And then 2010, after the YouTube thing was going uh, and, and you know, I got that machine rolling, then it was the podcast in July of 2010 that, that really um, launched things for me. And I think a, a few things really made the podcast a big part of this. And number one, it was because it was a little bit easier to produce than video. Yeah. Um, but also the fact that a podcast is an easy way for you to connect with other people, just like how we're connecting right now and people yeah, are, yeah. Are, li- are listening to us. So in addition to having the audience listen to us, now you and I are having you know, an hour-long conversation mm-hmm. and we're able to b- deepen our relationship. Now you and I have already known each other for a while, but a podcast is a great, easy platform yeah. to go, hey, influencer, or hey, other person out there who shares the same audience. Like, come on my show. I'd love to feature you to my audience and you, know, you can get a lot of benefits from uh, the connections that you make on a podcast. Yeah. And now a lot of my best friends are people who I've initially connected with on my show. And so a lot of the growth happens across all those platforms, blogs, YouTube, podcasting, a lot of growth happens. And, 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 and the way that I really you know, became known is the result of other people sharing my story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, A, knowing that I had a good story, B, refining that story to be something that would inspire people and help people but see, having other people learn about it and want to share it too, that's the cherry on top. And that's how yeah. you can get really good exposure as opposed to you going out there and trying to convince somebody that you have a great story. Having another person who has already earned that trust with somebody tell that story for you and feature yeah. you, you're way, way ahead of the game when you get that exposure from others like that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and like you said, it's kind of every platform you come to. And I remember when the, one of the first times I saw you, you talked about being everywhere and yeah. constantly being seen and things. And, and actually that's kind of what you, you do really well is that if you're into podcasts, there's a podcast, there's a blog, there's YouTube. There's, and although it must be such hard work to, to keep up with all that, it does mean that you are opening yourself up to lots of different people in lots of different ways, which obviously right. got to help in terms of building you and your brand and what you do. Right. But you got to work your way there, right? Yeah. Like I said, I started with the blog. Yeah. A year later, I started the YouTube channel. A year later after that, I started the, the uh, podcast. Um, I wouldn't recommend going everywhere all at the start. Because no. when you do that, you divide your energy across all those spaces and none of them have the juice it needs to, to become successful. I say, you know, pick the platform that you're most comfortable with and then go all in with it for a period of time until you begin to see how to make it more efficient to either hire a team or use tools yeah. 
to gain some more time back, yet still continue to be consistent there too. Um, and then you can move on to the next thing if you want to. A lot yeah. of people don't do that and, and they are just all in on one thing, which is, a, which is okay too. But I think part of my role in the online space is to try a lot of things for people so that I can report back and share, okay, here's what I learned about this and mm. here's what you should avoid and here's what you can do. Here's some things that I experimented with that you can try. Um, I, I like to call myself the crash test dummy <laughs> of online business. Like, I love you know, the, 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 those mannequins that go in the cars and, you know, they get yeah. in accidents for the purpose of helping <laughs> out the car. other people. I get in a lot of accidents, meaning yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I make a lot of mistakes, but I'm always happy to share them for the benefit of others. And that's awesome. So one thing I know that you and I have in common is um, that you love the Miracle Morning. In fact, you know how Alrod, who wrote yeah, Miracle Morning. Yeah, good friend of mine. And... One of the things that I found as I've gone on in business, and obviously, presumably you find the same as you've grown in business, is that your routines changed, how you see things and view things. Is there a miracle morning that you have? Do you wake up in the morning and have a set routine? Or is there something that you would put a bit down to your success today? I do. I mean, ever since discovering, actually, a funny story about Hal, uh, I think it was 2015, I go to my mailbox and I get these, I get a, I get a book from a guy named Hal and it's called the miracle morning, wake up before 5am and it'll change your life. I like threw it away. Cause I was like, there's <laughs> no way that I'm sorry, Hal, but I, I, I was like, there's no, I didn't throw it away, but I put it aside cause he wrote a little note in there, yeah. but I was like, there's no way. Cause I, I was a night owl ever since high school, really. And that's yeah. when I got most of my work done. That's when I felt the most creative. Like there was no way I'm going to wake up before I had to. But I started noticing that there was a trend. Like I started noticing Tim Ferriss and a number of other people talking about how important their morning routine is and how they would wake up earlier. And I think Hal even put it in his book itself, how most people wake up because it's time to wake up for somebody else. I got to wake up and go to work yeah. to help somebody else's dream. I got to yeah, wake yeah, up and yeah. go bring the kids to school. Why not wake up for yourself first so that yeah. by the time it's ready to help others, which you should still continue to help others, um, you've already accomplished so much for yourself to improve your life. And so I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experiment with this and see what happens like I always do. And I, I started to see immediate results from implementing the Miracle Morning. And there was a few things in the Miracle Morning that I do and still continue to do. And it's changed over time, especially because the kids grow yeah. and their schedules change because the kids in the school is really the only thing that's like, like that I have to like yeah, yeah. put in my schedule now. Uh, or else it would be complete freedom. But um, obviously school is really important. Yeah. But uh, the journaling and the meditation, those were two big things that were very surprising. I always knew that exercise was going to help. I always knew that, you know, uh, affirmations and reading were, were going to help me in my life. But meditation completely changed the way that my brain handles situations. And uh, journaling allows me yeah. to reflect on every single day and end and every day with excitement about what I've done, but then wake up the next day excited about what I'm going to do mm. that day. And so those are, you know, every morning is the same and I have a, I have a routine definitely, but I find that does change over time with yeah. the other external factors that are happening around me. The, um, the really interesting thing about the journaling thing and meditation is I started it probably six to 12 months ago mm -hmm. and I didn't get it. I literally didn't get it. I didn't know what I was writing, why I was writing it. I tried to look at all these different things and it, and I started to do it and I was making myself do it and I didn't get it. And then suddenly something kind of just clicked and 
I started to realize the beauty of journaling and mm. even things like, you know, if you've had a bad day or something really stressful has happened to take yourself out of that mood, I found that suddenly I could write and then I'd come out of it in a completely different attitude or yeah. look at it a different way. Or, and I loved the fact. Um, and in fact, I'm going to do it this week, Pat, because you've inspired me. I saw your children. Were you, it was in Hawaii. Was it on holiday? Yeah, we were on holiday and they, busted out their journals yeah so they've and been I, writing every day I love that and my daughter's eight so very similar to your children uh-huh. and she's uh, away at her grandma's at the moment she's coming back in a day or two and I've decided that as an activity because she's still off school at the moment so of course trying to juggle everything is hard work but I've yeah. decided as an activity I'm going to get her to start journaling and just start writing what she feels and what she thinks. And yeah, I'm really excited about it. I love that. Yeah, I mean, we're so lucky that the kids are excited about that. But, you know, we, we, we went to the store, we got them whatever journal they wanted, right? Like yeah. we want to make sure that they're excited about doing that. So you, you go pick any journal you want. It doesn't matter what the price is. Like we'll get it for you as long as you promise that you're going to try this journaling thing for a while. Yeah. And then we pitched it as, you know, it's great because of a number, a number of reasons. You get to learn how to write better stories. You yeah. get to learn how to write better just in, in and of itself. But in doing that, you also give yourself something that in the future you can go back to. And then you get to um, remember these things that may be lost in your brain. So you want to make sure you capture those special moments. But in addition to that, my son brought up a good point on my podcast because uh, my son and I launched a podcast yes, recently. You did. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, we, we talked so about good. journaling there and, and, and he does it because, and they teach this at his school, which is really great. Um, they write in the morning to get the cobwebs out of their head so that they can be primed and ready for the day. And so it's so cool that they're teaching kids that. And, you know, we're just practicing that and sharing those kinds of things because, and I'm just so thankful that you, you're passing that on to, to your daughter. Yeah. So like, congratulations. That's, that's super cool. Thank you. And I, the other thing is there's something different about physically handwriting, isn't there? So when you're typing, it's a different, it's almost like it's a different part of my brain or it doesn't quite flow the same way. And mm-hmm. I think we live in a very technology space, obviously, because of what we of do. Yeah. But of course, the children now, you know, my daughter's a whiz on her iPad mm-hmm. and it's just great for her to do something that is with a pen Tactile. and paper yeah. and actual writing. So right. yeah, I am super excited to start. It's almost it. becoming a lost art, Yeah, you know? Uh, they don't even teach cursive in school anymore, which is kind of scary. But uh, I think definitely writing in journals is great for all kinds of reasons. And to get it to get the earlier, the better, the earlier, the better. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, so good. So we've moved on 10 years. You've been in business, which is kind of uh, crazy to think the success you've had in 10 years is just phenomenal. Um, And about 12 months ago, in fact, we talked just for the call that it was exactly 12 months ago, you decided to focus super hard on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And although you might have started YouTube sometime before, you decided that you were going to put some real effort into it. Having had the podcast for obviously quite some time at that point, hadn't you? Yeah. And you decided that you were going to focus super hard on YouTube. And I am fascinated because this is an area that I am yet to really get involved with. And actually of all the platforms, this is probably the one I do the least of or know the least about. Mm -hmm. So however, in my head, I'm thinking, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to have to do this. And I'm quite excited about that. That's not a feeling forced like, Oh no, I've got to do this. This is, I want to do this. So I'm super excited to talk about YouTube and kind of what 
a made you decide to go to YouTube and, and work super hard on that? And what has it done? You know, what have you seen coming back from it? Yeah, I mean, YouTube has been really interesting. Like I said, I started it in 2009. And when I started, I was super nervous and scared. I didn't want to put my face on camera. But I knew that video was something that was going to be really important. And one of my first videos was a tutorial. And it was a tutorial that was showing people something that I got so many questions about. And the video just made sense. Like, I'm just going to show you how to do it because writing this thing in a blog post would take forever. Like, I'm just going to do a video. YouTube yeah. just came around. And so, okay, I'm going to post a video. And the feedback I got from that was really great. And the cool thing about that was I used a tool called um, ScreenFlow. Um, there's other options like that called Camtasia. You can even use QuickTime. And what, what, what you can do with these tools is you can record what's on your computer and just use your microphone to kind of voice over while you're recording. And that way you don't even have to put your face on camera. And so I could teach a tutorial yeah. using a tool or various tools and show people how I did things. And it was just very easy to do. And I, I started noticing that I started to gain a little bit of traction there. And what's nice is, you know, YouTube is also connected to Google because Google owns yeah. YouTube. And so when you kind of have YouTube talk to your blog and your blog talk to YouTube, like it really just increases your search engine optimization. And so I started to get a lot of people finding my blog through YouTube, even through just a few initial tutorials, because mm -hmm. people use YouTube to find answers to questions more than anything. And so I was answering people's questions, which is the number one thing you should do. If you're going to do videos, like what questions are people asking? That's awesome. Create videos that just literally answer those questions. That, that's really where you want to start. That's a good idea. And so there's other tools out there that can help you determine what those questions are. I'd recommend checking out one that's available today. It wasn't available back then, but it's called answerthepublic.com. Okay. It'll, it'll literally tell you the questions that people are asking in your topic. So you type in a keyword, it'll literally give you the who, how, what, where, why, which, and you just, there's your videos that you can create right that's there. Amazing. Um, so you could start with that. But Great. anyway, um, I started to slowly get a little bit more comfortable with video. And then I started to like put a little bit of my face on there, kind of just experimenting and seeing what was going to happen. And nobody said anything negative about that. So I started to put myself out there a little bit more. And, um, you know, back then YouTube was just more of like, okay, if I need a place to put a tutorial, that, that's what, where I'll put it on. I wasn't ever being consistent there. It was kind of just a repository of, of video information that would support my blog. Um, and then... I let it sit and didn't do anything with it for years. And then I came back to it a couple of years ago and tried to get a little bit more consistent. But, um, you know, I, we created a show called SPI TV, which we posted a video every week uh, on the YouTube channel. And we did see some consistent growth there for a while. But again, there was no real plan. There was no real like, okay, like, why am I doing this? I was just kind of always like, okay, let me dabble. Let me dabble and see what yeah. happens. But it wasn't until 12 months ago that my videographer uh, and friend Caleb Wojcik and I just decided, okay, we're gonna go full on with video. I don't know what that means, but we're gonna see. And so to start, we're gonna go to this conference that happens in Anaheim every year. It's called Vid Summit. And it's a conference put on by a guy named Daryl Eads where he invites all these top influencers in the YouTube space to talk about how they use the platform and what it's done for them and tips and things like that. And so before, posting any new videos, Caleb and I went and we just like immersed ourselves in the world of YouTube. And we started to meet people that we had never even heard of before who were just crushing it on this space. And, um, you know, video is really interesting because like a podcast, you can really build a relationship with the people who are there. But unlike a podcast, I mean, you have the visual thing, uh, things on top of it, which I still love podcasting because it's just so much easier to produce. Yeah. But there's just another level of flavor that you add on a video that if you do it right, can really help launch things. Plus, 
the discoverability and the findability on YouTube. Like I said, people are searching for things there. Mm -hmm. Searching and finding new podcasts is a lot more difficult. So I was like, man, there's so much more opportunity uh, in the YouTube space if we can crack that code. But there are so many people who start YouTube and just like their channels die. Like, let's do this right. So we went to as many presentations as we could. But more than that, we started building relationships with other YouTube influencers there. Um, people that, again, I had never really heard of before who are now, as a result of starting the YouTube channel, really good friends of mine. And I think, again, similar to what I mentioned about the podcast before yeah. about being a relationship building platform, YouTube has done the exact same thing now. Now that I'm consistent in it, nobody wants to be a friend with another YouTuber who's inconsistent or doesn't show up very much. But since going, we started going five days a week on YouTube after we kind of figured yeah. out, okay, this is the plan and how we want to do it. Yeah. That opened up the doors to many, many more relationships in the YouTube space. And now those people are promoting my stuff and are even promoting some of my programs, but you know, linking to my channels. We're doing collaborations now. It's been really, really cool. I think more than anything, business-wise, that's been the biggest benefit is, is it has allowed me to connect with these other channels, which... I gotta say, are a lot bigger uh, than mine, and, okay. and you know, um, and 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 so you know, Sean Cannell, Roberto Blake, Sonny Leonarduzzi, you know, Amy Landino, a lot of these names that you know, I you know, I've heard of them before, but never really connected. But now that I have a YouTube channel myself that is consistent, like we have something in common that we can talk about, and you know, I share my special powers on their channels, and they share theirs with mine. That's been the greatest thing. So, like I said, five days a week which was a big undertaking, but we heard that, okay, you gotta like, you know, I have this channel, which is great. I actually experimented by just posting a couple of videos to see because I had about, you know, over the years, uh, about 50,000 subscribers on the channel. It's like, that's a lot of subscribers. Like maybe that we can just, subscribers. you know, we can, like if I post a video out, like 50,000 people are gonna see yeah. it. That's not how it works. <laughs> because I haven't been consistent, YouTube's algorithm comes into play and I posted a new video and I remember seeing like, after a few days, 400 views. And I'm like, this is sad. Like I have 50,000 yeah, subscribers, 50, subscribers yeah. and only 400 people even saw this video. And looking into the analytics, only 200 of them were my subscribers. And I'm like, this is, this is insane. Like what can we do to reawaken the algorithm here for YouTube? And it was really about just like, you gotta be consistent and yeah. it's gonna be slow at first, even though you have these subscribers and you've been around for a while, it's, it's gonna be slow at first. I, I was even contemplating should I just start a new channel because like I don't like yeah. what I have? And, and then no, go back to your old channel. Just restart it mm -hmm. by putting a lot more energy into what, what, what uh, you know, the content that you're putting out there. And so we did. And so for about a couple months, we were going five days a week and not really seeing right. much. But then all of a sudden, things started to click. And then one video started to get a ton of traffic. We're like, okay, let's put more videos out like that. Yeah, like. Yeah. Let's read the signals that Google, that YouTube and Google are telling us. Yeah. That, that was really the big trick I learned is that you kind of have to just put yourself out there and be consistent. And over time, time being the most important thing, yeah. you're going to see what YouTube is telling you that they want more of. And then you start to learn about these things that are, that, they're not tricks. They're just, I mean, they're public knowledge, but you want to you work with YouTube essentially. Mm -hmm. So there's a few ways to do that. Number one, you want to make sure you keep people watching your videos as long as possible. Yeah. And watch time is the most important factor. So the longer you can keep people watching a video, the better. And the funny thing about this, and this almost sad thing too, is that if you have people watching your videos for five minutes or more, that's really good. Okay. Like five minutes is really good. On a podcast, that's sad. Yeah, on yeah. a podcast, people are listening to hours yeah. of you. 
at a time. Whereas on YouTube, like if you get five minutes or more, it's because when you think about it, when people are listening to you on a podcast, I mean, they're on the go, they're out on a walk yeah. or on a commute, like they don't have a quick opportunity to just leave. There's no distractions. No. On YouTube, there's a video, but then there's like 40 other videos that are mentioned at the same on the same page and then all these ads yeah. and these other things people can click on. It's a challenge. Mm -hmm. And so working on your hook at the beginning of your videos is really important, which is something I had never really done. And it's funny because what I've learned in the YouTube space about creating hooks and keeping people going and these pattern interrupts that you can create in your videos to keep people engaged, I'm now bringing that into my podcasts now. And I'm seeing an inc even increase in my podcasting uh, downloads and, and the engagement there too as a result of what I'm learning in the YouTube space. So it's kind of cool because even though I'm focusing on YouTube, I'm taking that information and applying it elsewhere. Um, so watch time is really important. Yeah. And then also keeping people on the YouTube platform. So I initially was going to go into YouTube going, okay, at the end of every video, I'm going to have a lead magnet that's going to go into my email list that's going to bring people into my business. And all the people who are the top people on YouTube that I know said, don't do that. And I was like, really? Okay. Like, I, I, I want to collect these leads. And they're like, yeah. you will collect these leads, but you need to give them the opportunity to watch more videos and to watch more videos after that. So create themes of videos that, are, that kind of work with each other and then begin to cross promote those videos with each other with the call to action being to A, subscribe, but to B, to watch another video. Okay. That's and then every once in a while, like once a month, you create a huge video that comes out that's very, very valuable that then can promote and your email fun. list. And that's yeah. what's going to help drive more traffic than having every video at the end be like an ad that then people get oblivious to. Yeah. And that makes sense because you want to keep people on YouTube because what does YouTube want? YouTube wants more people on YouTube to see all those ads that are going to show up. And the more that you can help them achieve their goal, the more they're going to help you. And we've noticed that since working with them in that way, more videos are getting what's called popped, meaning you'll just create all these videos. And it's funny because sometimes you create videos where it's like, that was a great video, but nobody's watching and it's not getting the download numbers I want. And other times you create videos that are like, that's just a scrap video filler piece. And it just explodes. And you're like, I have no idea what happened, but okay, okay, YouTube. I'm gonna create yeah. more content like that. And then you just kind of ride that wave for a while. Um, you know, most of the videos that I come out with now, and we're not doing five days a week anymore. We're doing, you know, one to two per week now, which kind of fits into our schedule. Um, now- I mean, still, That's a huge undertaking. Though, it is a it? huge undertaking. Yeah, so yeah. we do things in our production process. Caleb and I meet every Tuesday and w we plan videos and then we shoot them all in one day. Wow. for the whole month now. So we can get a whole month's worth of videos in one day because we plan ahead and we batch process, yeah. which if you're doing anything like podcasting or YouTube, batch processing is like the key yeah. to staying on top of things and not feeling like you're in that content hamster wheel. But now our videos come out and you know after a couple of weeks, they get about three to 5,000 views, which is decent, even though we have now over 100,000 subscribers. But yeah. The crazy thing now is every once in a while, a video will pop. And so there was one video that we did recently that now has over 300,000 views. Oh my word. And I that one is like, we're starting to notice that new people who have never heard about me are finding yeah. that video because YouTube is like, hey, everybody loves this video. They're sticking around to watch most of it. And when we show it on other people's channels, people are clicking on it, which is another yeah. thing. If you can relate your videos to other people's and other influencers' videos, you might show up as a suggested video either uh -huh. after they watch that video or in the sidebar of that video that they're, that they're watching. And so we're noticing that this, this video and a few other videos in particular are being the drivers for bringing new people into the channel and then watching more videos on, on our end and um, then becoming a fan. And now I'm starting to notice like with the podcast when I did focus on it in a similar way back in 2010, 
people are kind of now discovering me through my YouTube channel and I'm getting messages like, hey, Pat, I discovered you on YouTube, which is really yeah. cool. That's the kind of response yeah. you want to get whenever you get into a platform like that is, oh, I found you here or I found you there. That wasn't happening with YouTube before because when people would find my videos before, they would find answers to their questions, but then they had nothing else to get into. They, there was no way to get to really know me anymore because yeah. those people watch videos and they want to see videos, but I didn't have anything anything for them. Now that I have more of me showing up, they're like, okay, Pat's answering my question. What else does he have? Oh, Pat's yeah. really cool. Oh, he has a family. Oh, he likes Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. And now they're getting to know like yeah. the real me now because again, the consistency and just trying to answer as many questions as possible. Um, and the other cool thing about YouTube is it has really opened up for me that creative freedom that had been missing for a mm -hmm. while. When I started the podcast, I felt it because it was like a brand new show. It was like my own radio show and I can add my own personality. But now the podcast and even the blogger are like machine-like now. So mm -hmm. we're three months ahead on the podcast and the blog, we're about the same. Awesome. And so that's great. And that's why, again, yeah. like I said earlier, we're putting in the time to become as efficient as possible and building out the team so that I have time to do this extra thing. This extra thing right now is YouTube. Um, and now we're building the team to do that, to open up yeah. extra time. But... Um, we've noticed that now we're getting a little bit ahead on content and it is providing some ROI in terms of business. The next phase for us is to experiment with YouTube ads. Facebook ads are, are really popular right now. Yeah. And now that I've gotten comfortable on video and with, with YouTube, um, I think there's a lot of opportunity there because most people aren't going to, to um, you know, take the chance on, on a YouTube video when they're not very familiar with it. So I think there's a lot of opportunity in the YouTube ads world too. And that's kind of the next phase and experiment. for us. So, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of good things on the YouTube front. But again, like I said earlier, it's the, the creativity is now coming yeah. out of me. And we're doing some fun things like shooting a video series in my Tesla and putting yeah. cameras up everywhere. And we're doing these tactics in a Tesla videos with different influencers and just being weird and silly and, and more me. And when I started YouTube, I was like, okay, who do I like watching? I'm going to make my videos just like them. And that's yeah. a great way to get inspired. But you don't want to be just like them. No. You want to get inspired by them, perhaps how they structure their videos, you can structure yours very similarly, yeah. but you gotta add your own style in there and you just gotta be fully you. And when you're fully you, as, as our good friend Chris Ducker says, when your vibe is gonna attract your tribe and yeah. the right people will find you eventually if you just continue to put yourself in the real you out there. Because like you said, if you're doing the, the same sort of thing in terms of in your style, if I've watched one video, I'm going to watch another and another. And you're so right. When you're on YouTube, I find myself all the time watching one and then consuming another one and another mm -hmm. one and another one. And you need that content on there for people to do that, don't you? Right. Can I ask one question? You said that if you can link other YouTubers in with your video, that it helps your reach. Is that in the text or is that in the video itself? That's in the video itself, in the description, yeah. on each other's websites, on each other's social. YouTube is smart enough to see like, oh, you are featuring this other YouTuber here. Okay. And obviously in the video itself, you can actually link to their channels uh, to people for people to click on in the description, mm -hmm. the same thing. They're gonna notice like, oh, there's a little pocket of people and they're like who talk to each other here. Like let's show each other's video, like their yeah, videos yeah. to each other's audiences and help grow yeah. the channel because they know that that's gonna keep people on YouTube even longer. Yeah. Um, YouTube is really smart like that. And um, another big tip is look at the data analytics. YouTube is probably the best platform for looking at how people are consuming what you're putting out there and the behavior uh, that they have. And, you know, go into individual videos. You can see where they drop off and you can yeah, stop yeah. doing whatever you did at that moment at in that future point. videos, right? 
you can find when people are more engaged. You can find out which videos people are, are more likely to consume, which ones seem to be uh, the ones that YouTube is pushing out for you. Yeah. Like do more of that. There's so much stuff that YouTube will tell you and it's great because you can just work with them. Just work yeah. with them and, and they'll help you out. And I think the analytics that so many people either A, don't look at them at all or B, they look at them and then I know people say to me, well, what should it be? And it's like, no, 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 it should never be anything. You know, you can't compare your YouTube channel with my YouTube channel or right. my non-existent YouTube channel. You can't do that. It's about looking at your own stuff, like you just said, looking at your own content, seeing when they drop out, seeing when they turn off or turn on or what videos go well. And it's learning from that rather than... Mm -hmm trying to think, okay, well, that video from that person got all these views. Why didn't mine get that? Oh, it's because so hard to avoid that though. I mean, it's just <laughs> in our nature to compare, right? Like yeah, yeah. why not, why not me kind of thing? Yeah. Um, but I think the best comparison you can make is to your earlier self. Are you yes. improving every day? Are you, are, are your numbers improving every day? Are you personally developing every single day? Mm -hmm. Uh, going back to Hal Elrod stuff. I think, I think when you, compare yourself with your earlier self and just make sure that you're on the right trend there, then you're going to set yourself, yourself up for success. Still look at others and get inspired by others yeah. and watch others and learn from others, um, analyze others, but try not to let that discourage you because it's, that's apples and oranges. Yeah. Um, you know, you, they are not you and you're not them. You are you and you used to be a different way. Are you improving? Are you, are you increasing your subscribership yeah. over time? Um, and like, don't worry about the numbers. Like I said, I have now 130,000 subscribers. Amazing. And if I were to just always look at the numbers and go, wow, I only get 5,000 views on most of my videos. That's yeah. not the way to approach it. It's okay. Every video now has an opportunity to yeah. introduce myself to new people, to add more value to my audience and an opportunity to go viral on the, yeah. on the platform. Yeah. And some videos have. And mm -hmm. so just it's, it's a hard game though. And you just got to keep going with it though. Yeah. And I think as well that sometimes it's so easy to compare yourself with someone else. It's so easy for me starting out to look at your podcast figures or your YouTube figures and think I should have that. And it's like, when you go back and look, how long have you been doing this? How consistent right. have you been? How many videos have you put out? Like you said earlier, and it's such a good point because I think sometimes in the digital space more than other spaces, people think it's overnight success. People think they put one video up, do one podcast, put one blog up, and suddenly the world's going to fall at their feet. And God, don't we wish it was like that? But it isn't. It's hard work, and it's it rarely happens like that. However, yeah. we always hear about those stories. Of course we do. <laughs> and we 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 always hear about those stories because they're so rare. I mean, when you yeah. think about it, it's like you hear about them all the time. But you hear about them all the time because they get so much media because they are rare and hardly ever happen. Yeah. So because it's rare and hardly ever happens, what do you do? You be consistent. You grind it out. Those are the stories you never hear about, the people who no. grind it out, who succeed because of that. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you just you got to focus on you and just keep going. Yeah, yeah, totally. So you, you gave us some amazing tips there. If you were to say one tip if you, if I was starting out today on YouTube, what is the one thing that you would say you must do this or you've got to focus on this? What would you say that was? Hit record and go. Just okay. like, you're going to make up every excuse in the world to not do that. <laughs> you're going to go, oh, well, I haven't properly planned this or people are going to hate this or this isn't even very good. doesn't matter. Like if you go back to every successful YouTubers channel and if they have their earlier videos on there, you're going to go in there and go like, wow, that was you. Yeah, yeah it's because it's yeah. bad. And we all have to get through the disaster before we become the masters, as John Lee Dumas says. 
Um, and so just, you got to hit publish and go and your first ones are going to be terrible. My first videos, I cannot watch them anymore because it just makes me throw up. But <laughs> you have to get through that to get yeah. to the good stuff. So just hit record and go. And even if those videos are bad, and it's funny because those videos that I don't like listening to that I think are terrible yeah. have tens of thousands of views. Yeah. And you open up new opportunities for yourself when you put yourself out there. And so don't worry so much about what it is you're going to do. I mean, create a little bit of an outline and kind of have an idea of what you want to record, but then just go and, and trust yourself to just improve over time. It's not going to be perfect. It never will be. So give yourself an opportunity by hitting publish and, and continuing to be consistent. Pat, that is awesome. You have just given us so much to think about in terms of YouTube and use as a channel. So really quickly, I know you've got some exciting stuff planned. And in fact, you're going to look at sell a product, a physical product, which yeah. for someone in the online space must be the most terrifying thing ever um, because it's a completely different world. Yes. So this is exciting stuff for you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, again, experimentations, crash test dummy. One thing that a lot of my audience has been asking me about are physical products because a lot of us have physical product ideas, but how do we turn that into an online business? Is it even worth doing? I got to say, since starting this journey with my partner, Caleb, on this, my videographer, we're actually yeah. creating a, a, a vlogging tripod that was not existent in the market. And so, like, we're literally going through the prototyping phase, working with manufacturers in China, like all that whole wow. thing. I got to say, just going through this process makes me appreciate the online digital space way more because it, okay. we have it so much easier doing online business than this stuff. But it's also so much fun and it's interesting because when you create something and you get like the prototype of it and you actually have it in your hands and you're holding it, it's like, it's just unreal, right? And when you create something that you see a lot of other people get excited about too, you're like, wow, there's like re really big opportunities here. Um, so the Switch Pod, which is what it's called, is coming out very shortly. Uh, you can find it at switchpod.co, which if you're a vlogger or doing any video, you'll see it and what it does. Um, but it's just, it's just so much fun and exciting. And, you know, I'm documenting the whole process and once it's, once it's up on a Kickstarter and however well it does or however badly it fails, it's again, going to be a lesson that my audience is going to uh, learn from. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe it sells to a tripod company for billions of dollars, or maybe like it makes no sales at all. It's Who knows? Fingers crossed for the first. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, even halfway there would be great. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but that's exciting. You know, I'm always trying new things. Next year, I'm putting on an event in San Diego, my Amazing. first one, and that that's a new, so cool. exciting thing that I'm definitely afraid about. But uh, to finish off, it's like that's what's pointing me in that direction. The fact yeah. that it is giving me some nervousness. Yeah. Um, if what I'm doing now doesn't give me a little bit of nervousness, then I probably know I'm not either going big enough or doing the right thing. Yeah. I don't want to ever get too comfortable because complacency is, is, is not good. Um, I mean, I think it's important to be happy and proud of what you've done, but when you just sit there and, and rest on your laurels, then you could potentially, you know, shoot yourself in the foot. I think it's important to continue to strive for bigger, better things and to always try new things and, you know, have fun with the process. I mean, that's the biggest, the biggest thing about all the projects that I do is just, I want to have fun yeah. doing it. Even if it fails, I at least would have want to learn something and have fun. And so don't forget about the fun because when you're in this and you're in the thick of it and you're in the front lines, like it can be so draining. You yeah. just got to remember why you're doing this in the first place. There's a reason why you are staying up until 2 a.m. to finish yeah. that lead magnet. There's a reason why you're writing that email. There's a reason why you are stressing out about this. It's because this is meaningful and important to you. So keep going. Don't let the fear stop you. It's a sign that there's something amazing on the other end. Pat, 
honestly, you couldn't have finished that better. Thank you so, so much Thank for you. being my first guest. I am Ooh, so Congratulations. Thrilled. Thank you. You did a great job. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Pat as much as I loved recording it. As a first episode for my interviews go, it was absolutely nerve wracking. I was so scared because I didn't want to mess it up. I didn't want to not interview him well or be able to get some of his amazing tools and tactics across to you guys. I wanted you, if you haven't ever heard of Pat, to become a huge fan of his as much as I am. I loved hearing about his story. I've heard it a few times, but I still love seeing his story about how he got to do what he does now and also take some of those amazing tips about YouTube and how he's used it recently to keep growing his business. If you want to find out more about Pat, you can visit smartpassiveincome.com where you'll find links to his podcasts, his courses, which include an amazing power up podcasting course, also a one, two, three affiliate marketing, because actually Pat is very honest that he gets a lot of his income from affiliate marketing. And there's also a free course on how you can build your brand. So definitely go and check them out. Also, don't forget to check Pat's YouTube channel, which is not only entertaining, but it is jam-packed full of great advice. And I will give you links to everything in my show notes. So I'll give you links to all of his sites and his social and everything else. So if you want those things, just go to www.theresaheathwearing.com forward slash 28. And that's the numbers 28, not the words 28. Anyway, I hope that you've enjoyed this week's podcast and Pat is just the start of it. I have got some amazing people lined up for you. And in fact, the next three podcasts are all going to be interviews because I wanted September to be a bang in terms of my interviews. So next week you are in for another amazing treat. I can't wait until you find out who I'm interviewing next week. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast with Teresa Heath Waring from TeresaHeathWaring.com.